We are starting off our summer series this morning entitled Miraculous, Close Encounters with Jesus. And you can turn your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 8. I want to jump right into the text this morning uh, as we will be examining over the course of these next six weeks. We do have one week in that six-week period where we have a special guest that will be sharing with us. But the, over the course of the next six weeks, uh, we'll be looking at some of the miracles of Jesus, some of the things that Jesus did during his earthly ministry that really set him apart and solidified the reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the reality that Jesus Christ is Savior He has all power and all authority, and we're going to see that over these next six weeks. Luke chapter 8, I'll be reading from verses 22 to 25 this morning. You can follow along as I read Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 22. One day, he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? It's a pretty remarkable, true account of uh, this moment in the life of Jesus and his disciples that I guarantee they would not forget and uh, that they would remember. And here it is recorded for us under the inspiration of the Spirit of God for you and I uh, 2,000 years later to be able to be reminded of and to look at together. This morning I want to begin by making some observations about Jesus and some observations about the disciples. Uh, observations about Jesus. One, understand that in the context leading up to this great story, true account, Jesus had been healing and teaching with great authority. Uh, The Gospel of John, John uh, wrote in the Gospel of John that Jesus did so many things, so many miracles, and there's so much that could be said about Jesus that the world itself could not contain the books that could be written concerning Jesus. But John said about his gospel, these things are written, these things are recorded so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God and that you may have life in his name. Uh, Similarly, in all of the gospel accounts, as we read about these miraculous events in which Jesus demonstrated his deity, when Jesus backed up his talk with action, it's a reminder for every one of us, as it would be a reminder for them, that this truly is the Son of God. Only under the power of God could these things take place. And so Jesus had been healing and teaching with great authority. The deity of Christ was on display. We see Jesus, if you look back to Luke chapter 1, I encourage you to do that even this afternoon or this week. Start back at the beginning of the gospel of Luke and begin reading through the gospel up until this point in time where we see Jesus healing the sick. We see Jesus giving life Uh, to those that were dead. We see Jesus uh, teaching with great authority and power in every step of the way, demonstrating the fact that he truly is the Son of God. 
He'd been teaching. He'd been healing with great authority. The deity of Christ on display. We also see in this passage the humanity of Christ on display. The word of God reminds us that Jesus Christ is 100% fully God and yet 100% fully man. And, and we can't process all of that and fully understand that. But this is another example of a passage where we see the great authority and power and deity of Christ on display, but also his humanity on display. As we've read in the passage, we'll look at it in a minute, Jesus would get tired. Jesus would take a nap here. If you're here and you love naps, refer to this passage. Jesus <laughs> took a nap. Now, he'd been healing and teaching and kind of doing some other stuff too, but he napped, okay? So just remember that. Uh, also, observation about Jesus, it was Jesus' idea to go onto the sea to the other side. Look at the passage again, verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples. He said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. Remember this, that Jesus is the one calling the shots here, not the disciples. And it's Jesus who has this idea, let's get into the boat and sail across to the other side of the lake. This is at Jesus' bidding. He was the one who would initiate this journey at this point in time. And you might say, well, big deal. Why is that a big deal? Well, look at what's about to happen. There's about to be a great storm on the lake, so much so that these men who were familiar with the lake, with the sea, would be terrified for their lives. And the reason they were where they were was because Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Number three, observations about Jesus. In the midst of a great storm that rose up, Jesus is sound asleep. This is observing Jesus in this passage. In the midst of this great storm that rose up, Jesus is found sound asleep. Matthew's account of this same story, this same miracle in Matthew 8, 24, it says, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Okay, so understand the context. Understand these observations about Jesus and the story and what's going on here. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, let's get into a boat. Let's set sail across to the other side of the lake. They're like, okay, they follow Jesus. They get into the boat. They set out. Jesus then falls asleep. He's sound asleep, and this great storm comes on to the sea, and it is crashing over into the boat, and there Jesus remains sleeping. This is one way in which I am very much like Jesus, that when I am sleeping, I hear nothing. And, and, and I could even relate this back to when we had little children, like our kids were real little or babies, um, and they went to bed, and I'd be like, honey, I'll feed the baby during the course of the night, get her bottle for her, and I would fall asleep, and I would hear zero crying. My wife, on the other hand, instantly up because she had an ear to hear. And I thought, well, this is a great, like, encouragement. Husbands, if you don't wake up when your child's crying, remember, Jesus was sound asleep in the midst of turmoil and chaos on the sea. It's a little bit of a stretch, but just listen. <laughs> Talk about peace, calm, complete trust. Here Jesus is in the midst of what's described as a great storm, one that is swamping the boat with waves, one in which trained fishermen, experienced fishermen were terrified that their lives were coming to a point, an end, and Jesus is asleep. There's no worry there. There's no uh, distress there on the part of Christ. There's complete trust. There's complete calm. There's complete peace on the part of Christ as he is sleeping here. 
Again, this magnifies the humanity of Jesus. Jesus had been teaching with great authority, healing the sick. Here he is, and he's tired in his humanity. He grew weary and tired, and he's resting here. But his deity also fully on display with what we're about to see take place. Those are just some observations for us to understand as we look at this text. Let me give some observations about the disciples. Number one, they were following and learning from Jesus. Uh, Again, I, I love, don't miss this. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, verse 22. He said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Okay, Jesus, we'll follow you. Jesus called them to himself, and they would follow him. Uh, Jesus would say to them, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. They were like, okay, we'll go with you. They got into a boat, and they set sail. This reminds me back to Luke chapter 5, earlier on in the Gospel of Luke, in verses 4 through 11, where we read about Jesus calling Simon Peter to himself, and and Jesus is going to begin calling his disciples to himself. And in Luke chapter 5, Verses 4 through 11, just listen to this account of Jesus calling Peter, Simon, and and some of the other disciples. It says, when he had finished speaking, Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus had been speaking on Simon's boat, and he was out speaking to crowds, and after he finished speaking, he told Simon, he said, set your nets out for a catch. Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners to the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. That is what you would call a successful catch if you're fishing. Both boats began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in. They weren't expecting that what Jesus said would happen was going to happen. They really weren't trusting that what Jesus said was going to happen was going to happen. Have you ever found yourself in a position like that? Where you know what Christ has said or promised and you kind of but not really believe that. It says, so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, with them who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Isn't that a great statement that Jesus makes to Simon about his transformation and and following Jesus? And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Notice that. They left everything and followed him. See, the disciples here in this passage in Luke chapter 8, are doing what they were doing up until this point in time consistently. They were following after Jesus. They were learning from Jesus. They were following him. In Matthew's account of this, chapter 8, verse 23, it says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Jesus was leading and they were following. Another observation about the disciples, they were obedient to Jesus. Even as we saw earlier on in in Luke chapter 5, where they listened and obeyed Jesus, sometimes reluctantly, maybe sometimes with hesitation or with even unbelief, but they were obeying him. And we see the same again here. They followed him. They were obedient to him. Uh, They were trusting in him to some capacity. The third observation, they cried out to Jesus when the storm rose up. And I ask you this morning, are you thankful that in the midst of anything that comes our way in this life, we can cry out to Jesus, knowing he hears us, knowing he cares for us? Verse 24, 
of Luke 8, it says, They went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. We are perishing. Jesus sound asleep in the midst of this storm that was on the sea, gets woken up by the disciples. Master, Master, we are perishing. Now listen, you can be woken up a number of different ways, and I want us to understand the difference here. Um, If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a sound sleep, and you're asleep, and some, for some reason, you feel like someone's staring at you. <laughs> and you're sound asleep, and maybe you're having a great dream, and like you're like, you know, victorious in whatever you're doing, and you're asleep, and all of a sudden you feel like there's eyes on you. And you're like this, and you open your eyes to wake up, and your child is right in your face. <laughs> Dad, I need some water, right? They're right there. And, like, naturally you wonder, like, how long you've been standing there? Because they're just right there. (laughs) Boom, right? I need water. And so I'm like, okay, honey, like, go get a glass of water then. How long have you been waiting, right? And it's, it's just the right there. That's one way to be woken up where it's not necessarily something of urgency, but there's something that's desired there. But then there's being woke up when you're a parent and you're sound asleep. And I know this is going to sound like a contradiction, but uh, I couldn't wake up when the baby was crying. But I can wake up if I'm sound asleep and one of the kids yells because they're afraid of something and they let out this loud yell. Dad! Like they're terrified. I can instantly wake up. And I'll go running upstairs to find out what, what is needed and what's wrong. The second of those two is what's going on with the disciples in this passage. Jesus is sound asleep, and this was not a everybody standing over Jesus like, should we wake him up? Like, maybe he'll wake up. We'll just wait and see. No, it says that they went to him, and they woke him up, verse 24, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. They are in fear for their lives. They are terrified here. They were crying out. In Matthew's account in verse 25, eight, chapter 8, verse 25, says, they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Save us, Lord, we are perishing. They cried out to Jesus when the storm rose up. So let's just look at this observations with the disciples. Following Jesus, check. Obeying Jesus, check. Fully placing faith and trust in Jesus at this point in time, kind of, but not all the way with the disciples here. Verses 24 and 25, look at what he says again. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. He awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? Their faith was lacking here, right? This is what Jesus says to them. Where is your faith? In Matthew's account, chapter 8, verse 26, he says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? They obviously went to Jesus with their fears, but they felt like this was it. They felt like this is the end. They'd still not yet truly recognized who it was that was in the boat with them that day. They didn't fully recognize yet that the one that was in the boat with them that day was the creator of the wind and the waves. The one who had complete authority and power over the wind and the waves. They did not yet recognize fully, truly that the one in the boat with them that day was the creator God in their boat. 
The creator and sustainer of life was in that boat with them. And the only thing the disciples could focus on at that moment in time was the storm and the waves and perishing. They weren't fully recognizing, trusting, and having faith in the one who had complete control over all that was going on. And might I say that as believers, sometimes we too forget who it is that is with us when we face difficult, hard, trying times in our lives. Who it is that walks with us as we navigate this sinful world that we find ourselves living in. They weren't yet truly recognizing, and we would even see that by the question they would ask at the conclusion of this great, miraculous event that takes place. Who is this? What manner of man is this that even the wind and waves obey him? I wonder how often might we even hear from Jesus, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? How often might that be the question that is asked of us? Let me give us some facts that should impact us this morning. Number one, fact number one that should impact us, Jesus can always be trusted. Tell the person next to you, go ahead and turn and tell them, Jesus can always be trusted. Turn to the other side, let them know, Jesus can always be trusted be trusted. Jesus proved this. He proved this to his disciples time and time again. Can I ask you as a child of God, has he not proven that he can always be trusted in your life? Should not our reasonable response to the Lord Jesus Christ be one of faith and trust? Because he has proven himself trustworthy and true. We're told to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will make our path straight. He will direct our paths. Jesus can always be trusted. Jesus says to them, where is your faith? I told you about you know, Matthew's account where he would say, oh, you of little faith. It's interesting because Jesus is going to ask that same question in another gospel account where he speaks about how God provides for the birds of the air. And he says, how much more will our heavenly father provide for you, oh, you of little faith? There's this recognition of trust and confidence and faith in Jesus that no one else is worthy of to the level that he is worthy of it. Do you understand that this morning, church? There is no one else that is worthy of your trust like Jesus is worthy of your trust. There is no one else who is worthy of your faith like Jesus is worthy of your faith. Jesus can be trusted, always. Fact number two that should impact us, Jesus is always greater than any opposition or trial we may face. Now, I know I breezed through this and kind of like jumped right over it, but can we not miss this? Verse 24, when they woke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing, he awoke, rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Can you like not run past that for a second? Don't miss, like this is so interesting to me and, and kind of humorous that the way Luke records this, it's kind of like this is what he did, right? But don't miss what it says here. There's this windstorm, they're in danger, they're filling with water, they're, the waves are, are swamping their boat, trained fishermen who are experienced, they're fearing for their lives, they wake up Jesus, Jesus, it says he awoke, 
rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Can you imagine watching that? Can you imagine taking that in? Take it in right now. Take that in right now. Some of you have maybe helped in our, what we used to call Kids with a Mission or Adventure Kids, where we have, you know, hundreds of kids, little kids in this room, and they are all screaming for all they're worth. And they're, they're loud and they're boisterous and they're excited and they're funny and they're just, it's so loud, so loud. But there was something when, when um, Pastor Butch's wife, uh, Mrs. Barb Persley, when she would be the person who would come up at the end of Adventure Kids or Kids with a Mission and take the microphone, the kids would be going crazy and she would take that mic and she would go, one, and everybody's like, Whoop. Quiet, okay? She would count to get everybody quiet. She'd take that mic and like all the loudness and all everything else, gone. I mean, that's a school teacher for you. Authority that was there took that mic and nothing. Kids were quiet when she would count and everybody would be quiet. Listen, Jesus is on in the boat with the storm raging around them, wind, waves crashing down on them. They're fearful for their life. And it says he woke up rebuked the wind and the waves and there was calm and it was still and everything was good. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus is capable of. Understand today as a child of God that Jesus is always greater than any opposition or trial you will face. He's greater. He's greater, period. There's nothing that is greater than him. We're told in the word of God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're told, my grace is sufficient for you. Romans chapter 8, read verses 31 to 39, where we talk, we're told about not being able to be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's greater. He's greater. Number three, third fact that should impact us, Jesus is always worthy of our commitment, our worship, and all glory. Jesus is always worthy of our commitment, our worship, and all glory. He said to them, verse 25, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled. They were afraid and fearful about the storm. Now they are in fear and marveling at the power of the one who is in that boat. There's a shift here. And they ask the question, who then is this? That he commands even the winds and water and they obey him. Jesus is always worthy of our commitment, our worship, and all glory. This is the one that Paul spoke of in Philippians chapter 2. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Jesus Christ is worthy. Quickly as we close, let me just give three challenges this morning. In light of this amazing, miraculous event, where Jesus displayed the fact that he is the son of God. He has all power, all authority. Challenge number one, trust Jesus with your whole self. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need a relationship with Christ. You need to call out to him. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus. He alone is savior. He alone is God. He, he is the only atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you're here today, before you leave, I want to invite you to talk to one of our pastors Talk to someone that invited you, that knows Christ. You come down front at the end of the service and talk to me and I can share with you how you can have a relationship with Christ. If you're a believer today, will you trust Jesus with your whole self? Will you give it all to him? Give it all to him.
Number two, turn to Jesus as you face trials and opposition. I guarantee in a crowd this size, many of you are facing trials and opposition, and you're not quite sure where to go or how to handle it. Can I just tell you, turn to Jesus as you face your trials and opposition and trust in him. And number three, testify of the greatness and glory of Jesus with your life. Let others know. Quit being silent. Not only in your words, but in your actions about the Savior that you follow and that you love. Jesus Christ is worthy. The Son of God, who is the Lamb of God, who is the Messiah, the one true and only Savior is worthy. He is, in fact, King of Kings. He is, in fact, Lord of Lords, and he is, in fact, worthy of all glory and honor and praise and worship. He's worthy of our lives. And I think we'll see that over these next six weeks as we examine who Jesus is and what Jesus has done.